0: Lord, I want to thank you for the words that you speak over all of us. I want to thank you that you've given us each an individual nature and an individual calling that no one is alike. I ask for the courage that we would all walk in the calling and the anointing that you have given us. You've created the blueprint. There's no better way than your way. We ask to be able to follow in your way throughout the days of our lives. I give this sermon to you, unlike most of them. I feel like I know more about this subject than any other subject, and yet in preparing for it, I wasn't even able to come up with an outline. And I believe that this is many fold, but one of it is to give you total control of what you want to say. I ask that you would do that. I yield myself to you in the name of Jesus. I got up this morning, and and, uh, there's many things I could say about this uh, contemplative prayer, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Uh, And I sat down, and my wife uh, reads the daily bread in the morning first, and I sat down with my breakfast and read it. Thanks. Saying I'm short? (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I just thought it was so um, appropriate. Um, this is for today, October 2nd. It says, in search of silence. My next record should be 45 minutes of silence, said singer Med, H- Meg Hutchinson, because that's what we're missing most in society. Silence is, is indeed hard to find. Cities are notoriously noisy due to the high concentration of traffic and people. There seems to be no escape from loud music, loud machines, and loud voices. But the kind of noise that endangers our spiritual well being is not the noise we can't escape, but the noise we invite into our lives. Some of us use noise as a way of shutting out loneliness. Voices of the TV and radio personalities give us the illusion of companionship. Some of us use it as a way of shutting out our own thoughts. Other voices and opinions keep us from having to think for ourselves. Some of us use noise as a way of shutting out the voice of God. Constant chatter, even when we're talking about God, keeps us from hearing what God has to say. But Jesus is even during his busiest times, made a point of seeking out places of solitude where he could carry on a conversation with God. Even if we can't find a place that is perfectly quiet, we need to find a place quiet in our souls, a place where God has our full attention. Don't let the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of the Lord. Um, In that prophetic word that was said over me that I would prophesy. I believe that I've been saying this to individuals um, for a long time, uh, certainly since I've been in the seminary, which was in 1973 for five years with the Passionists. And, um, you know, my upbringing was Catholic, but I knew the Lord and went my wayward, uh, riotous living years uh, in my late teens and early 20s, but came back, was reawakened, had a conversion experience, and then God led me to the seminary on the day I was asking for a wife. Go figure. Um, But in the seminary, I learned something that was vitally important that I didn't even know existed. I I shouldn't say that. I knew it existed in the communion time that we had when I was a child, because I loved God from a very early age, and I believed, as we're going to celebrate communion here today, I believed that I was actually receiving the body and blood of Christ. That's what I was taught. That's what I was shown. I had a childlike faith, and I believed it. Um, What I didn't like was that I couldn't have that same kind of communion all the time. And I thought, what's up with that? You know, why, why can't I have that? Why can't it only be uh, at that time? And at that time, I went to Mass and Communion every day. I was raised in a parochial grade school and high school, and we went to Mass and Communion every day, at least in grade school. So I had that communion each day, and it, and it you know, livened my spirit, and it seemed right, but I wanted it all the time. And so much so that even in the eighth grade, I wanted to be a priest. Um, And in high school, I met girls and sort of forgot about that. Uh, And that's why I was praying for a wife, because that's what I thought God wanted me to do after my conversion experience. And even though he told me to go to the seminary, five years later, he gave me a wife, my lovely wife sitting here. As a matter of fact, would you come up here for a second? (laughs) <laughs> the reason the, the reason I did that is because I love her and I'm close to her but I also want that to be an object lesson. This this is what God wants with us, you know? I wouldn't I wouldn't do that with someone that I didn't know. And Hopefully, that person wouldn't do it with me either, (laughs) because they don't know me. Um, But I know her, and uh, I know that she loves me, and I know that I can do that with her. That's communion. It's not head knowledge. It's not a repetition of words, which Jesus told us not to pray. It's connection. It's a connection of love and sensitivity and tenderness and forgiveness, and not judging, she knows me better than anyone except the Lord, and she still loves me, (laughs) you know, which is just amazing to me, and the Lord knows me better than her, and he still loves me, which is even more amazing, because he sees down into the depths of my heart. He knows the things that I've done that I've been terribly ashamed of, especially during those riotous years, um... And I am ashamed of them, but God somehow covers that. And he wipes it away as far as the east is from the west. He renews his mercy every morning. Joyce Meyer says that he does that because we need it renewed every morning. Because every day we get off kilter. Every day we forget about God. My goal is to be with God in his presence, in his will, sensitive to his Holy Spirit, being empowered by his Spirit to do what his Spirit inspires me to do. Um, I'd like to just, I'm going to do two of these today. This one's going to be very short, uh, and then we'll do another one with communion. But I'd like to just uh, lead you in a silent meditation um, and just become aware of the presence of God in this room and in the temple of your body. All right? So, if you're not comfortable with this, that's fine, but if but if you are, if you would close your eyes and just take a deep breath from your abdomen and relax. Just feel yourself rest in the chair. Let go. Let go of trying to control anything. Let go of your worries. As you breathe in, just breathe in his life, his spirit, his light, his warmth, his love. And let his perfect love, as you exhale, cast out fear, anxiety, worry, the to-do list. God Almighty is present right now in fullness, in the temple of your body. It's the most intimate connection that is possible on earth. When I hugged my wife and kissed my wife, that was an intimate connection, but the Holy Spirit resides totally enveloping our entire body, mind, and soul every day, every moment of every day, whether we realize it or not. I'm just going to sit down for a few minutes, and I'm just going to ask that you would draw your attention to the real presence of the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. He's present with you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. His mercy was renewed for you this morning. If you have any sins on your heart, confess them, and he forgives you and cleanses you from all unrighteousness immediately. Just rest in this moment of grace and communion with him. That might have been hard for some of you to do. I felt like I could stay there for a long time, but I've been practicing it for a long time. Um, In the seminary, we had to do an hour of meditation each day, plus a half an hour of scripture reading and a half an hour of spiritual reading. And in addition to that, we did the vespers. We did morning prayer, afternoon prayer, evening prayer, mass, and night prayer. Um, Also, during the seminary, we went through the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, which was a very intense uh, 30-day silent retreat where we did five separate hours of meditation, and one of them had to be between two and three in the morning, and the only person that we were able to talk to was our spiritual director, which was for an hour each day, and we journaled about our prayer and talked with him about it and saw what God was saying to us. And I remember that time in the beginning, it was like, okay, when's this going to be over? But towards the end, it's like timelessness came into being. And it was just me and God. And that's all I needed. And he was there and he loved me. I didn't need to talk to anyone. Uh, I was just humbly grateful in his presence. And in that reading of the prophetic word over me, I really believe uh, that I've been telling people this for a long time in 22 years of counseling. And he said, by giving you the one, I'm giving you the many. So I've had a lot of converting conversations, not just in terms of leading people to the Lord, But more importantly, in terms of leading them into a deeper and more intimate relationship with him, he talked about mentorship. I've called it discipleship, but it's the same type of thing. My call and my charism, if you will, is to take people like us and show them that there's a deeper love relationship with Christ that's available to all of us. There's a hole in our soul that only God can fill. And we try to fill it with all kinds of things, and the world tells us that we should fill it with this and fill it with that, and the world is very powerful. Don't underestimate how powerful the distractions of this world are. They're loud, obtrusive, exciting, stimulating. They pull at us. Uh, I've had parents of people who are attention deficit say, How can you say that my child has attention deficit? He sits before this video game for four hours a day. Well, that's kind of an example of it because the video game is stimulus after stimulus after stimulus. It draws your attention. He's not disciplining himself to focus his attention. The video game is powerful and grabs his attention. So I think we live in attention deficit society that is not only not conducive to meditation, but it's not conducive to its goal. Meditation is not a goal in and of itself. Meditation is a means to an end. Meditation is the means to contemplation. And contemplation is connection. And without that, what is it? What do we have? What we're looking for is love, right? Isn't isn't that the deepest thing that we want? To be loved and accepted for exactly who we are, even though we have secret sins and shameful things that we wouldn't tell anyone? And isn't that exactly why we don't tell people what our secret sins are? Because we're afraid that we'll be judged. One of the nice things about doing the work that I do is that people... You know, come to me when they've reached a point where they can't hold it in any longer, and they decide to take a risk and tell a stranger what they're struggling with. And they don't necessarily tell me their deepest, darkest secrets every time. Or, and if they do, they don't tell me the first time usually. Although some do. Um, but when they do that, there's a release because I've I've heard. Just about everything you can hear, things that I would never want to repeat here, uh, not just because of confidentiality, but because of things that are so evil and so terrible that they shouldn't be repeated. So nothing much raises my eyebrows. So when people tell me, you know, their dark sins, many times inside I'm saying, is that all? Because I know that I've done worse than that. Those three years of riotous living... I think God allowed me to be fearless in terms of my exploration of uh, hedonism in order to be able to forgive anyone that comes in presenting anything. It's very hard for me to be judgmental. Um, So this greater intimacy with God is what I believe is what I'm here to call people to. And the way that I've done it so far is by doing it in my counseling, you gently, I don't force anybody there, but invite them to come, and some do. What's amazing to me is that I've told almost everybody this, and yet there's only a few, there's only a few, I've seen thousands of people in 22 years, thousands. And there's only... As I I think right now, and maybe my memory is colored and it's skewed, but as I think right now, I can think of a handful of people that have taken this advice, this challenge, to have a daily, quiet, contemplative prayer life with the Lord seriously and are still doing it. And the people that have done it are the ones who are in the worst shape. I'm thinking of two people right now, that I probably, you know, not me, but God in me at best has kept them alive. And I don't really believe that they would be alive if they weren't doing this. And those people who are the neediest, who are on the verge of saying, is life really worth it or not? Those are the ones who have taken this because of their desperation, and they've done it. They've said, well, I've tried everything else. I've tried all the medications. I've tried all the therapies. I've been to different therapists. You say that this is different, I'll give it a try. And they've tried it, and they've found something so valuable that they'll never let go of it. My prayer is that this will happen in this church. I didn't hear Dennis's prophecy. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Dennis, but I believe that it was spoken over you that you were going to be uh, a church that was going to plant other churches; that there was going to be a growth here; uh, that we were going to spread in terms of multiple services, services, and then also in terms of other churches. Um, I was talking with D before the service here, and um, there's there, there's something special here. There's a freedom that's here. There's a reason that we're we're not here to fulfill our some Sunday obligation. We're here because we want to be here, because there's life here, because the Spirit of God is present here, because we get filled when we come here. We wouldn't come back. Dennis does a great job in not pressuring people, and Jesus didn't pressure us either. I believe in my heart and soul that the foundation to power in the Christian life is in our connection with God, period. What did Jesus do? He got up every day. It doesn't say every day, but it, it says it enough to imply that he did and many times didn't even get sleep at night and he spent the night not read. It doesn't say Jesus got up long before dawn and went out and studied his scripture. Now we know he knew scripture and so I'm not saying anything against that, but it says he went out and prayed with his father. He was in relationship with his father enough so that he would spend the night even after ministering all day, slipped away from the crowd because he needed it. And what he needed was not sleep, but communion with his father. And after that communion with his father, the disciples found him and said, let's go back to this town because they need you. And he said, no, we're going to go to this town because that's where my father told me to go. He got energy and he got direction and he got empowerment on what he was to do when he spent those times with the Lord, with his Father. I believe that's what we need to do. If you look at powerful churches, I believe that you will find a few prayer warriors that you may not even know who they are. They may be widows. They may be young people that don't even know exactly what's going on but they're in connection with God, and there's something that happens in the church because one or two or three people are praying. Before the service, I asked a few people to pray for me in a special way because I didn't even have an outline, and I believe it's due to their prayers and God's grace that I'm able to speak and feel calm and peaceful about what I'm saying. If we could have... As, as, as our church has been prophesied over in terms of its expansion and growth and what we can offer to the world, just think if we could have seven people that do this. Now, my experience in being able to teach this to people has always been the same relative to the kind of resistance that I get. And they say, I sit down and I meditate for a few minutes, but guess what? My mind goes here, there, and everywhere. Because of our attention deficit society and the way that we've been raised. And I understand that. And shamefully, I'm sorry to say that God has been telling me to create something, a tool, some tools to be able to help people to do this for a long time. And fear of failure, fear of success, um, it's too hard, I'm too busy. I said this three years ago that I was going to do it three years ago and that's when the headaches started. And, you know, the headaches are definitely moving in the right direction. And I believe that it's as a result of me moving in that direction. Today I have a 100 a CDs, um, uh, actually 200 CDs that uh, you can take with you. Uh, there are two of them, a set. And... One of them is designed to take you in a ridiculously accomplishable way toward seven minutes of seven meditation over a seven week period in other words there's maybe we could put up that uh screen west of the first one the one minute meditation that's just the cover that's what you'll look for in the in the back and then um This is the tracks. So there's an introduction in prayer that you can just listen to once. And then you'll see there's three one-minute meditations and three two-minute meditations, three threes, three fours, two fives, two sixes, and two sevens. I didn't have enough room to get three of the last ones on there. Now, you take any one of those first three meditations and uh, just sit down. And listen and do what it says. It's just going to basically tell you to sit down, be quiet, breathe deeply and slowly, recall that God is present, and it's all going to be based on the Our Father. I figure that's about the safest thing that I could teach you to pray, right? If Jesus uh, would have had any better prayer to teach us, he would have told us when they asked him, teach us how to pray. And what he told us was, teach us the Our Father. So this is an expose of the Our Father. And so I want you to know that it's safe. I mean, I think that we've thrown out the baby with the bathwater. You know, what I mean by that is that when when the church was just one church before the Protestant Reformation, um, there were many, many saints, holy men and women, who were well-versed in contemplative prayer. And Martin Luther was one of them. I read a quote of his once. He said, I have so much to do tomorrow, so very much to do tomorrow, that I must get up and spend three hours in prayer. He understood the principle of investment relative to prayer and dividend relative to fruit. All right? And in our fear of New Age meditation, where we would get into some type of hypnotic state and empty our mind and open it up for any Tom, Dick, and Harry spirit that might want to come in. And I think we're correct to be concerned about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I want you to understand that this is Christian meditation, which is just focusing on, and in this case, focusing on the, our Father, and doing it in a ridiculously accomplishable way. So for the first week, all you have to do is meditate one minute a day. All right. And if you tell me that you don't have one minute a day to give to God who gave us life, then I know you're in denial or it's an excuse. Because we can all give him a minute. And then the second week, you take a two-minute meditation. And do that, you know, and split them up. If you like one, do it the whole time. Uh, If you like, you know, to mix it up, mix it up. If you want to do two of the one-minute meditations because you don't like any of the two-minute meditations, do that. Just meditate two minutes a day for the second week and three minutes a day for the third week, four minutes a day for the fourth week, five for the fifth, six for the sixth, seven for the seventh. Most people say that it takes three to six weeks to establish a habit. So seven is the number that's often referred to as perfection and completion in the Bible. So I figured by seven weeks, we will have established a habit. That's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in you doing a whole lot. Now, let's say that you get into it. You say, this is cool, and you feel really peaceful and you want to continue doing it, don't feel restricted. Don't feel like you, you got to stop at that moment. You don't go as long as you like. But the next day, when you get up, if you're only at three minutes and you're not really feeling like you got enough time, that's all you got to do is do the three minutes. And if you miss a day because you forgot or it was too busy, don't worry about it. Just pick up where you left off, all right? Just don't go to the next one until you've completed seven of the first ones. So some of you may finish sooner than others, and, and that's okay. After, after everybody has done this, and I'm not expecting everyone to do this, but whoever does this, and don't, don't feel like I'm gonna, if you don't do this, I'm going to be mad at you or anything like that. I mean, I'll feel sorry for you because you're going to miss something, but I'm not going to be mad at you or disappointed. I've been doing this and calling people to this for 22 years, so I understand that this is not for everyone. But after we have people that have done it, maybe then at the end you can talk to me. I have an idea. It may or may not work out, depending upon who does it or who doesn't. But I have an idea about running a group in my office in Southington um, maybe once every other week, maybe once a month. There'll be a small charge to cover the cost of the hour and a half that I'll have to give up in my practice in order to be able to uh, maintain food on my table so that I can stay alive. But uh, it it shouldn't be a great cost. And And one of the reasons for the cost is because I want people who are committed. If you're not doing this because you're drawn by Jesus, then don't do it. You know, if this doesn't Awaken your spirit. He called me to awaken people. If this doesn't call you to a greater uh, spirit of being alive and awake in God, then don't do it. If you're not sincere about this, don't do it. I really don't want anybody to come. If nobody comes, I'd be happier with that because at least that's honest than somebody who comes because they think and somebody is expecting them to come, you know. Um, if you guys don't come, I'll fill the slots because I have, don't have trouble filling the slots. But if if there is, if there's just seven people, I got room in my office comfortably for eight, I would be the eighth. If there's just seven people that learned how to do this and wanted to take it to the next level, I've been meditating for over an hour a day for over 33 years and have been doing spiritual direction uh, have done spirit have had spiritual direction for those five years, um, and so I believe that I can lead you to a higher level. And Wes, would you show that next uh, cover? This call this the basic breath of life meditation. And both of these were inspired by God. The day I sat down to do it, I did not have a specific plan. I really believe that uh, He inspired me. You want to show the content? Okay, so uh, this disclaimer, um, it's on both of them. Uh, Please understand that, and and that uh, was just announcing the disclaimer, (laughs) Um, but the disclaimer is, this says for you to sit down, close your eyes. Therefore, driving is not acceptable. (laughs) Operating heavy machinery is not acceptable. If you want to do that, put in some other kind of tape. Please don't put this in and do that. And, and other than the safety factor, a much more important uh, thing, unless you're one of those risky people that are going to do that, but a much more important thing for most of us is that we're undistracted. We need to have our mind focused on God, and it's hard to do that. So I've created something that you know goes beyond the uh, seven minutes. And you could, you could mix and match. You could do whatever you want. Some of them you might like more than others. I intend on creating more of these. I intend on creating a website, um, you know, making a business out of it. I intend on this being my retirement business because at 59 years old, uh, it's just becoming too labor-intensive for me to work one-on-one for that many hours that I need to work in order to get the income that I do. And it isn't a lot of income, believe me, because insurances restrict the income, and I don't charge any more than the insurance give me cash-paying people. So I just can't. I don't have a retirement. So this would be less labor-intensive. I've had residual income. That's just honest Um, but I believe it's what what God wants me to do. And that prophecy said, by reaching out for the one, you will get the many. This can go to a lot of people, and I can sit down and create. This, again, another shameful thing, I did this one first, and it took me, I don't know, maybe a year, a little more than a year. And then I procrastinated for about five years. It wasn't completely procrastination, but a lot of it was. For about five years after that, and the the second one, which was actually the first one that Wes showed us, the one-minute prayer, I did it in a weekend. It was actually done mostly in one day, and I needed to do the last three in the second day. So I can create these uh, because it's just what I meditate on. And you'll notice as you go through this, everybody has their own charism. Everybody has their own word. I'm going to be true to the word God has given me, all right? I'm not going to beat anybody over the head with a stick because in my business, that's what I've seen has occurred all too often. I'm going to encourage you about the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm going to encourage you. But I'd like this for anyone who has been Catholic in the past and remember what it was like to have communion. I'd like for you to be in communion after you receive, and so we're gonna all take it. I'll I'll say a prayer. We'll receive it, and then we're gonna sit in a few few more minutes of silence, so that you can have communion with your God in heaven. Okay. So anybody can come when they're ready.